I'm Jerry Willis. I'm Steve Ducey. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. I'm Trey Ingst. Amid the coronavirus outbreak, children around the world who are facing malnutrition are at an even greater risk for severe illness or death. We are going to see increases in global hunger. You know, we've, I think we've already anticipated a perhaps doubling of numbers of people who are affected by hunger globally just by the end of this year. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. A new study released by the International Rescue Committee highlights how streamlining the malnutrition identification process could help struggling communities in areas being impacted by hunger. These problems have been made worse during the COVID-19 outbreak. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Jeanette Bailey, the head of nutrition for the International Rescue Committee. Starting first in the United Kingdom, where scientists are warning that 120,000 additional people could die of coronavirus this winter. The UK has largely got under control the first wave of coronavirus, but is reimposing localized restrictions as new outbreaks pop up. The United Kingdom has seen more than 290,000 total cases and just over 45,000 deaths. Now to South Korea, where churchgoers who survived coronavirus will give plasma to those fighting the disease. More than 5,000 of South Korea's 12,000 cases have been linked to a single church outbreak of COVID-19. The country did one of the best jobs in the world at contact tracing and testing, allowing South Korea to reopen more quickly. Finally, out of New York, a new study indicates that simplifying the malnutrition treatment process could save thousands of dying children. The U.N. estimates 8,500 children die of malnutrition each day. That's 3.1 million children each year. And this year is even more challenging for international NGOs. So how has the coronavirus made this situation worse? So we've got really great solutions that are effective at a, at a clinical level for recuperating children who have malnutrition. This is Jeanette Bailey, the head of nutrition for the International Rescue Committee. But what we need is to make sure that at a large scale, we can reach many, many more children. So currently... At best, we're reaching maybe 25% of kids under age five who need life-saving treatment for malnutrition. And we've got to do much, much better. And, you know, there are, there are thousands of minds and organizations focused on this problem. And so really that focus on how do we increase coverage and what that means. And so the simplification of a protocol is one important step. Another really important step is right now that treatment is confined to health facilities only. And so, especially in light of COVID, we want to be able to empower community health workers who work at a village level to deliver treatment uh, there. And, And even furthermore, we want to be able to empower parents, parents to screen and diagnose their own children with malnutrition. Malnutrition can be diagnosed quite simply using a, a mid-upper arm circumference band. And lots of research has shown that, that mothers and fathers can do this themselves. So if we can do a combination of these things, you know, empower parents to find their own children who are malnourished and seek care within the village with community health workers who've been themselves empowered to diagnose and treat malnutrition outside of health facilities, using a simplified protocol like, you know, like as we tested in, in the COMPASS study, I think a combination of these factors will really enable us to reach far more children, hopefully much more cost effectively. How do you make people care about hungry children? It's a question that I ask a lot of people. And I think whether it's research that's being done or communication campaigns that are pushed forward to the public, I think it's difficult 
when you're not facing another major global pandemic like coronavirus. But now everyone is so focused on COVID-19 and how to keep their families safe and their communities that are facing community spread outbreaks. And then you have this ongoing problem where millions of people are at risk of starvation. And I just wanted to get your take on how do you make people care about both and understand that both of these things are important and that each human life is just as valuable as the next? Well, thank you for asking that question. I mean, that gets at the heart of why we do this work. And I'm a mother. And so I think first and foremost, I see this in terms of my own children. And if I were to see my own children suffering from hunger, if I wasn't able to feed them, or if they, if they were ill and becoming malnourished, I mean, that, that is probably one of the worst indignities we can face as parents. So there's, you know, of course, that element for me, which is very personal. Um, but I would say there's at least two myths, you know, among, among probably others, that drive um, a kind of apathy towards global hunger. And one is that there isn't enough food in the world. There aren't enough resources in the world to address this very large problem. That's a myth. And, and then perhaps the other is that the solutions are hard. That's also a myth. So if we examine these two myths and really think about what we can do, first of all, hunger is a man-made problem. It's very much driven by political and economic and, and uh, you know, human-driven uh, challenges. This is not a problem of there not being enough food in the world. Um, and, and second, the solutions for solving malnutrition in young children are really easy. This is not a complicated disease, uh, you know, like many other medical conditions. This is a really simple condition. You know, hunger is driven or malnutrition is driven by either a lack of access to good enough food or by illness. And so we've got the treatments that work really well. You know, the ready to use food where a mother is given sachets, little, little packets of, of, of ready to use food that she can bring home to, to the house and recuperate her own children at home. It's a really simple um, solution. And so, you know, where I would then answer your your question is how do we make people care by knowing this is something we can do about easily and that all we need is is that that willpower politically and that funding and so i think you know of course with more pressure and with with uh, with more funding we can we can see massive change and now we've got major innovations in the research sector you know um several of them as i mentioned earlier that can really enable us to to harness and, and, and reach far more children more quickly right now when it's needed the most. You've been listening to Jeanette Bailey, the head of nutrition for the International Rescue Committee. We'll be right back. Communities that face major problems with malnutrition are uniquely vulnerable. And I wanted to get your thoughts and your concerns about certain areas of the world right now that are facing major problems with hunger and are now also battling COVID-19. Looking at Yemen, for example, UNICEF estimates that by the end of the year, there could be 2.4 million children that are at risk of starvation as a result of the pandemic, whether it is resources being reduced or supply lines being cut off. This is just one example out of many around the world. Where do you see the most concerning developments as this pandemic is spreading when it comes to malnutrition and hunger? In terms of geographic scope, it's extensive. I wouldn't necessarily call out any one area over any other because, you know, certainly Yemen, uh, South Sudan, so many others 
highly vulnerable context where we already, under normal circumstances, see very high rates of malnutrition. And so, but, you know, what we will see now is that the scope of this is probably going to expand even even more. And so, you know, what, what we are expecting to see is both due to economic and biological factors, and in, you know, an increase in childhood malnutrition and associated mortality. And that is, again, driven by livelihoods being affected, you know, jobs being lost, and an entire food system being disrupted um, on that level. And then on a biological level, of course, when, when children are ill, uh, they are more vulnerable to malnutrition. And when children are malnourished, they are more, more vulnerable to illness. So both on these economic and biological levels, we're expecting to see an increase. And so my, you know, my only answer to that would be we need more resources, more financial resources behind this uh, to really address this. Because as you pointed out earlier, Trey, far more children are going to die of malnutrition than, than may ever die of COVID-19. And, and these are affecting our youngest, the youngest members of our population, young children. I think, you know, there's very few people who can't feel for that, that population of under five kids. I think when we're looking at conflict zones around the world that are often affected by malnutrition as a result of, as you noted, political decisions and military movements, you see this uniquely vulnerable population. And as you noted, children are a common denominator among many of these conflicts. And I think a hungry child is a representative example of something that most people in the world can agree upon should not exist. There should be some solution. So I guess my final question for you is, what do you see the near future looking like when it comes to the scope of world hunger? What needs to be done immediately to ensure that by the end of the year, these numbers aren't spiking for malnourished, malnourished children around the world? And what really needs to be done to change the negative trajectory that we are seeing right now amid this pandemic? Okay, yeah. So absolutely, you are right. I mean, we are going to see increases in global hunger. You know, we've, I think they've already anticipated a, a perhaps doubling of numbers of people who are affected by hunger globally just by the end of this year, which is remarkable. And, and then in terms of malnourished children, which, as you noted, are the most vulnerable of our population. I mean, really, kids under five, they are the barometer for how, for how communities are doing in general because, you know, parents always prioritize the health and well-being of their children. And so when you start to see malnourishment and hunger in young children, you know everything else is probably not going as well as it, as it could or should. So certainly we'll see an increase in, in all of this in the coming six months or, or a year. And I would say what needs to be done right now is we, we always want more evidence. We always want more research done to cross, you know, every box to make sure we've, we've checked every corner. And I would say that there is a body of evidence now that indicates that simplified protocols like the one we tested in, in, in this study um, delivering treatment to community health workers, empowering parents to diagnose their own children. I mean, that's just on the treatment side of things. Um, but all of those are very promising solutions that might make us be able to reach more children more, more cost-effectively and more quickly. So we've got those solutions. And really what we need is, is access and the ability, you know, for, for countries to, to feel like they can test this out on a larger scale. 
And under the current emergency conditions that we're seeing globally, I think we need to, to be more flexible and more willing to try new things now. Um, we do have some evidence. There, there will never be enough to say we've got the perfect solution for anything. But the evidence we do have indicates this is a solution. These are solutions that can, can really help children now. And so I think, you know, one of the, one of the barriers is, is political. And in terms of countries being willing to try new protocols and, and new approaches. Um, and another barrier is, of course, economic, you know, in terms of the funding for this. So, you know, I guess my, my only appeal to people would be to find those organizations that are working in this area and, and donate, knowing that there's really promising solutions out there. And we just need, you know, more resources behind this. And, and a call, of course, to, to, to leaders to unify behind this, because, again, we, you know, we will see far more children dying of hunger uh, this year than, than of COVID. Certainly. And the research that you're doing is critical to finding solutions to these problems affecting millions of people around the world. Jeanette Bailey, the head of nutrition research for the International Rescue Committee. Thank you again for your time. Thank you, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.